Hello and welcome to This Is Ugh. I'm your host, Georgia. Laundry day is a very dangerous day. Lee! And I'm back here with my co-host, Summer. And today we're continuing our conversation on friendship. So let's get into it. I made the decision in high school to go to a school with people who looked like me. And what I learned is that when you're meeting people who you expect to be your friends because they look like you, but you grew up in a different way that they did, they think you're white. So I was, I looked too black to be totally ingratiated into white culture. Right. And I acted not black enough for black and brown people. Sure. So I've always just kind of done my own thing and I just kind of went in between clicks and found different groups of people who tolerated me, didn't even necessarily like me, but tolerated me enough to have me around and I've learned to enjoy my own company and if I'm alone that's good enough if I have a group of friends who enjoy me that's great too but it taught me to be self-sufficient and to not get involved in groupthink and not just do what your friends are doing and not just accept what your friends are doing it taught me to be a little bit more well-rounded my mother used to what was that saying that our mothers used to have oh well if your friends all jumped, jumped off, off a bridge, bridge would you and i'd be like bitch i'd be the first one to jump off that bridge which one how is tall it? is how it is, <laughs> is it the one that guarantees my death is it a suspension <laughs> bridge it? yeah i mean i was very uh very similar circumstances i mean actually it's so sorry opposite, opposite circumstances circumstances where i never Ever fit in with the white kids oh. ever 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 even though I'm white passing never ever ever fit in with the white kids interesting always 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 because um, of your attitude who knows could they tell I don't know <laughs> was I too spicy were you too spicy for the white people you might have been spicy the white people were like mm, she's got like seasoning as a kid kid in elementary school I still hung out with all the black and Hispanic kids oh always who I gravitated to and I really think that's because culturally, that's what happened. So yeah. all my friends were black and Hispanic. And unfortunately, because of my personality as a people pleaser or because of my personality as a mom of the friend group. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Because my mother used to tell me when I was in pre-K, I would make sure everyone in the class had their hats and their mittens yeah. and their scarves. And then I would run out with an open coat, one mitten, yeah. no scarf, no hat, you know? Um, and that's always just kind of how I rolled. They I used did to that call in me, college. Yeah. I, was, I was the mom of the group. Counting people. Sure. Making know? sure everybody's okay, not dying on yeah. the street corner, you know? So growing up, they used to call me viejita. So like a little old lady. And that was my nickname because I was so concerned about making sure everybody was okay. But also wildly to the detriment to myself. Which my mother tells that story is so cute. Oh my God, you'd make sure everybody had the scarves and the mittens and the hats and you'd make sure they were just... And then you come out flying out with no coat on, like whatever, not caring and whatever. And it's such a metaphor for my life in which I've always cared so much more about other people than myself. Yeah. Which is something I'm constantly working on. But that's really elementary school junior high school there were no minorities yeah. <laughs> i went to a junior high school that specialized in the gifted and talented mm -hmm. and you had a test in okay and you took that test to be in a certain talent quote unquote okay so there was music talent there was vocal talent oh. there was athletic talent mm -hmm. there was math talent there was creative writing talent a whole bunch of things i tested in for math talent oh mm, wow. right I could build a hexagon. Mm -hmm. That's a thing. No, it wasn't. <laughs> you made it. You created it. I tested in. And then the first year in sixth grade, 
I started bleeding from the vagina and I lost meth. Oh. Gone. That's how it happened. I didn't even know he, puberty could make you lose something you were really fucking good at. It can. But it did. So then I tested into creative writing okay. and they were actually, you're quite brilliant at this yeah. for such a young kid. And weirdly enough, that's kind of where my life went. That's good though. Good to figure this out in, you know, sixth grade. But yeah. Or bizarre, who knows? Um, but the reality of this situation was very unnerving. Mm-hmm. Where I went from a very small elementary school where all my friends were black and Hispanic to now going to a very huge specialized junior high school where I didn't understand where all the black and Hispanic people were. Yeah, looking for them. Just looking. Like, um, where are they at? Where? Here's where I should have really realized our country's racism lies. The only black people were in athletic talent. Yeah. I mean, you saw that coming. And while I tried to be friends with them, because I looked the way I looked, it was a little rougher. Because these were not kids that grew up in the same neighborhood I grew up in, right? We're getting bussed in from different locations. Right. So now I'm just some white girl from wherever, and they don't understand the cultural upbringing I had. And it was very hard for me to make friends. And so a lot of my friends actually wound up being Asian. Oh, yeah. The forgotten minority. Yes. The model minority. But also really which is, like... Which is not good. Which is not... <laughs> yeah, like fucking terrible. Yes. That is a whole part of how racism works in right. America. Right. Precisely. The model we'll talk about that at a different point. Yes. But yes. So that's kind of how my friend groups happened in junior high. And then I was... Like, I never want to fucking do this shit again. So when I decided to go to high school, I didn't want to go to the bigger test-in schools. So I wound up at a smaller, kind of more liberal arts high school. And again, all my friends were black and Hispanic. Like, that's just where I felt comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. They're my safest space. And then as I grew into my junior and senior year, I kind of realized that I had been fucking up a lot in school. And I needed to had my resume so to speak so i started joining extracurriculars yes okay and then i met the white people and i got along great and by senior year i had the most votes for student council everybody knew i was i was miss high school i was the president of our prom committee fucking kill me but it was a really interesting lesson in what I would later learn for going upstate of my state in college. <laughs> Further north in the state within which you reside. Within I reside in. Um, because as much as I kind of sort of figured racism existed, it was proven as fact yeah. when I went away to college. Yeah. I was people's first Puerto Rican friend. And all my friends in college were white because... Everyone there was white. It was a really wild experience. That's interesting. For me, obviously, like, I don't... There's no passing for me. (laughs) There's no... There's no passing. The passing is when the bus passes you by. Because it is... The taxi's like... The taxi's like, no, we're just going to pass you. There's no passing for me. But also, my family did not teach me about race or racism. Everything I learned... Mm. Everything I learned was through experience through seeing something with my own eyes or watching the news or watching a program of some kind, watching television. Do you think television. your parents did you a disservice in that way? My parents have done me a disservice in multiple ways. <laughs> <laughs> but not, not unlike 90% of parents sure, haven't done the, most sure. of their kids in... Uh, 
a disservice in multiple ways. But yeah, I think that it would have been good. So side note, my mother was the kind of mother who in junior high told me without any hesitation and without any caveats, it doesn't matter what you look like. What matters on the inside. Oh, my mom told me that too because I was ugly (laughs) and fat. Parents. That is the wrong thing Jesus to tell Christ. your child. That is the right thing to tell them for inside the house. <laughs> when you go outside of the house, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm, absolutely mm-hmm. matters what you look like. And I don't just mean like what, what your body, no, no, what no, your no, face course, looks like. Course. It matters if you comb your hair. It matters if you look like you're hygienic. It matters if you wear clothes that fit you and that are appropriate for the occasion. You're, like that matters. But like... She forgot to tell me all these caveats. And I was like, okay, does it matter what I look like? Then I'm just going to do what I want. And I became a rocker. I became, like, I had a bike chain necklace. I used to wear Jenko jeans. I, um... Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. If you said the words, I became a rocker, you were in a fucking rocker, okay? What the fuck are you talking about? I used to wear black eyeliner. Yeah, me too. And the Jenko jeans and the fucking UFOs and the tiny little tanks. I used to play hacky socks. My hair was fucking pink. We were not rockers. We were fucking weirdos. I, did, I didn't see my wrists because I had those bracelets that you, like, that you put yeah, all the, the way ch- up yeah, your wrist. Yeah, and, I, and you couldn't take, like, I had to cut them off. Uh, yeah. I couldn't get them off. So I didn't yeah. see my wrists for a very long also, time. So you know how dirty our wrists were? They were <laughs> so, so dirty. dirty. We had to take every shower with the fucking <laughs> bracelets on. So I just, like, I gravitated toward whoever was around. And yes, it was mostly white people. It was some Asian. It was There were, were minorities sprinkled here and there. Some brown, some umber, you know. But... I, and what I ended up doing as an adult is very similar. I started hanging out with the misfits. I started hanging out with people who do stand-up comedy. I started hanging out with the singer and songwriter musicians who are like super talented. And I just kind of floated. I kept my whole life. I've been a floater. I've just been floating between this group and that group. I started doing poetry. I was hanging out with poets. It's just people with talent who are sort of misfits and don't really have a place of their own that is seen and respected by like the larger populace of people not the in crowd it's always the other the other guys i was like part of the other guys sure that's always how it's been and i and i'm comfortable with that i have no problem with talking to someone who's in the in crowd but i gravitated toward the outsiders and the outsiders gravitate towards me I guess I, I mean, I guess at this age, I don't even know what that means anymore, right? Like Insider and outsider? Right. Like, as in high school, sure, there were, like, the popular girls and all that shit. But, like, who fucking cares? Like, now, as an adult, it's like, what was that? What did that even mean? What was that? What did it even look like? For me, insiders and outsiders means, like, mainstream. Insider or mainstream, 9 to 5, 401k. But you know what I mean, like buttoned down with a jacket and slacks. Yeah, and why? You have a- but what if they're fully tattooed under that and love metal music and go to metal shows on the weekend and like totally then, like... Then you appear, I mean, if you get all of your tattoos covered by your shirt, like that's good for planning for you. You know what I mean? Oh my, I, I was talked out of a chest tattoo because uh-huh. I wanted a chest tattoo and I was told, you don't know what you want to do, mm-hmm. you're 22, you have no idea. But I mean, that's the reality right like now i don't think it's so much a problem anymore tattoos but it's not even foresight it's just more like a, especially a dude you can wear a fucking suit and you're not showing any for tattoos mm-hmm. as long as you don't have a face tattoo right or, or neck or neck tattoo yes. yeah 
as a woman, you have, there's more thought that has to go into covering up, yes. you know, a, yes. lot, a lot more but, in your body. But I just think in general, you know, what we used to think was not mainstream or what's mainstream now, I think it all changes over time. And the people who were in the in crowd, and you're right, there's people who had a straight line from point A to point B, and they were the most popular girl in high school, and now they have what we would call the quintessential American dream bullshit garbage. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Basura. Basura. Wait, wait, wait. Let me see. Basura and fuego. <laughs> I mean, really, like, who fucking cares with these, you know, and like... I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying, like, if I'm going to categorize and classify, then, then what, you know but what like, I mean? But I think about this sometimes. Like, I was not one of these, like, girls in high school. And I, and I will never forget this because I think about this a lot. The girls that were popular and pretty and, you know, whatever, and white. Uh, <laughs> actually white. Not white passing. No, actually yeah, like white, white. You know, at that point, you think that they are you know, the insiders or whatever. They're the popular, they're the most, like, coveted. That's what, you know, whatever. And now, looking back, I feel like my experience was so much more genuine. Like, looking back, it's like, I wasn't an outsider. I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I was inside my group. I was inside with the people I needed to be inside with. I never needed to be with them. I never needed to fucking acquiesce to their bullshit. Everything I did on my own terms. The lead was... One girl who was in our sing. Yes. You know what sing is? Yes. Oh my God. I feel like no one knows what sing is. But sing is basically a production in high school where we write our own uh, scripts. We write our own music. We write our own lyrics. We write write basically the entire play. And then we go against the... um, Other classmen. Yeah. So the freshmen and sophomores usually go together. Well, we were were senior freshmen that year. That year it was senior freshmen versus junior Junior, sophomore. sophomore. We switched every year. Oh, that's good. And I never participated because I was always like, these are for the cool kids, which is also hilarious. That's... Yes, that's not. Yeah. But again, this is a performance arts school. Oh, okay. It's a liberal arts school. It's, you know... So I was always like, I'll never get in. I can't sing, whatever. Um, and then my senior year, I just kind of was like, fuck it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had the second lead. Aww. And I was quite good. And also, more than that, it didn't matter. All the things that I think about now about the way in which we operate in the world and our self-esteem. It's like, why the fuck do we care so much? Because we're human and that's how we evolved. Our brains literally evolved to care about what other people think because people have to like you for you to survive. And we haven't evolved beyond that. Right. I mean, there was communities and if you were ostracized, you, you would die. die. But for me, it's like, I feel so bad because high school for so many people is so terrible. Oh, yeah. And they don't even know that this is really not that serious. It's not. I mean, how can you? Because j- just in the general space of growing up and like fully forming your brain, the your world is what you know. Of course. So if all you know is your family and your group of friends and where you go to high school and the, the, the authorities over you are your parents and your teachers, yeah, that's your world. Yeah. And if your world is telling you you're not enough, you're not good enough, you're not attractive enough, nobody right. wants you, go away. That's this, there's no difference in your 16-year-old brain where people in high school are telling you that. There's no, there's no big old world out there for you to go like, well, I can go survive out in that world. No, your world is, your world is high sure. school and your family. And you're dying. And you're going to die. I'm dying. I, am di- I will literally, oh my, mom, I will literally die. <laughs> I will literally die. Because that's what your brain is of telling course. you. You know what? This is like the real detriment of being human, that your fucking frontal lobe doesn't fully develop until you're 26. But 
our life expectancy for a very long time was 26. You know, <laughs> I feel like there's something like really profound to say to that, and I yeah. can't think of. I'm, well, I've had way too many drinks. I'm too deep into the alcohol to, to, say get, a to get profound. profound thing. Yeah, but that means for many generations, nobody's brain fully formed before they died. Correct. Because you start popping out kids at what, 12, 13, 14? Exactly. And even just our parents' generation before us, right? They were already married with babies yeah. by that age. They had no chance to actually know who the fuck they were because their brain wasn't even fully developed. And also they were raised to not know who they were. That wasn't sure. a part of the plan. Sure. That was not in the conversation, right. knowing who you are. Right. The conversation was get married, yep. have kids, have yep. a mortgage. Yep. Live your life, and yep. that should make you happy. Oh my god! And if it doesn't, there's something wrong with you. I mean, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, women were literally fucking. Who you are was what you did. There was no, yeah. there was no self-actualization. Though you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Well, at least in the West, Maslow's hierarchy of needs ends in right. self-actualization. There, none of that. Right. That wasn't the issue. And it was also really interesting because I think about this a lot too. My relatives don't have friends. And I think that that's such an interesting thing that happened, right? Like somewhere along the way, that generation all, like not all, but like a lot of them lost friends. Mm -hmm. Like they don't have outside interests. They didn't have outside, you know, people that they spent time with and people that they did other things with. It was so focused on their career, their husbands and their kids. And it's really wild because I now see my friends and family having kids and they still have friends. And I think it's incredibly important to maintain outside relationships other than your significant other mm -hmm. and your children. And if there comes a day where I become one of these Stepford motherfuckers, mm -hmm. these brides and these moms that are like, mm, my baby is the best baby, <laughs> and my husband is the best husband, and I don't want nothing from anybody, mm -hmm. fucking kill me. Take me out back, old yeller style, bullet to the brain, and just end it yeah because no conversation no no, no conversation needed <laughs> okay you know what i'm saying just mm -hmm. just do it because there's more to life and i think it's a really wild you know scenario in which we have you know our older generations they just who the fuck do they talk to oh no one they don't talk to themselves because that makes you crazy they don't talk to a therapist because only crazy people need therapists. Right. They don't talk to their spouses because I can't talk to my spouse about that. That's too personal. They would judge me and want to leave me and think I was crazy. Mm -hmm. That's very Pam Beasley. Continue. <laughs> but no, they, they don't talk to anyone. Like our generation has to tell them like it's okay. First of all, everyone needs therapy. Oh. Therapy is not for crazy people. No. It is for also for crazy people. It's for everybody. Yeah. Everybody, even if you're doing well, you still need therapy. 100%. But that's not the world they grew up in, and that's not the world that they brought us into. They certainly didn't tell us that we needed to self-actualize. We needed to figure out what our passion was and find it and find a way to make money off of it. We needed to be in therapy and develop coping mechanisms and coping skills for a world that they couldn't even imagine because they didn't bring us up in the world we're in now. The world we're in now is happening now. You're bringing up a child in the world that's current. But if you're not going out of your way to teach them how to live in a world that you can't imagine, Sure. Then they have to figure that out on their own. And, and their and world I, is completely different than ours. It is. And I also understand that it's really hard to possibly know what's to come, but there's simple, simple skills. Uh-huh. <laughs> Communication skills. Yeah. You know, 
And uh, I think that that's something that a lot of the boomer generation lacks, right? And I just think to really full circle the friendship thing, without friends, I think you spend a really lonely life. I think friendship is so important, but it's not taught to be important. The most important relationship is always your significant other. We're not taught that a circle of friends is the most important thing. And it can be toxic because peer pressure is absolutely real. It is 100% real and it can really completely fuck up your life. But if you make good decisions and you know how to prune your tree of friendship, then it can grow into something that can really like save you in the end. But yeah. but what we're taught is the most important thing is whoever your significant other is. Like that's the most important relationship. Yeah, but in that's your life. only happened in the past hundred something years. Like we were community people. We we're community based people. We raised kids within a community. You mean like the nuclear family? Is that what you mean? Yeah, the, the nuclear family. Okay. Yes, that's a new idea though because generations and generations ago children were raised by a community Mm -hmm. they were raised by you know a group of people like the native americans Mm -hmm. like it was very much like you had a kid but also sometimes like no one even knew who the dad was to ensure that proper care was taken so we're talking we're talking about like non-european non-colonial non-modern we're talking about yeah fuck these colonizers they i mean we're from america so like yeah we like we're from colonization we're we're from puritanical christian sure one man one woman raising a child under the eyes of god and that's completely different than like yeah i'd like to set fire to that because (laughs) like i said fire to women When they set fire to because they were like, mm, she's a witch. And yeah. then if she burned, they were like, oh, my bad. She wasn't she a witch. Whoops, a daisy. You know, and, and, and that's what I mean. It's like centuries ago, we were living in a more community-based society in which friends and family were the most important things, right? Like mm-hmm. the relationships you had. Like what you said before, we still have that in our brain that if our community ostracizes mm-hmm. us, we die. We die. So... If we still have that in our brain, it, it should still somewhat be there that friends are really important. Community is really important. This is how we make a life. This is how we sustain a life. This is how we raise our children. This is how we have a better relationship with our significant other because outside interests make a better relationship, a stronger relationship because I'm sorry if the pandemic taught me anything. Spending this much time with one fucking person is not okay. <laughs> it's not. Woo! Was not ready. Was not ready. So I think our country has done such a disservice mm-hmm. switching into this path that the most important person in your life is a significant other. I mean, sure, mm-hmm. they can be someone who really does that for you. But if you don't have a community of people behind you, like, what, what do you have? Mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it can, the thing, it can go the other way. It can go wrong. There are communal-based societies like... Uh, Cults? The, it, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That is that's absolutely true. There are there are cults from every culture, sure. but in particular, there are specific cultures that, like us as Americans, we are individual based. So our Maslow hierarchy sure. of needs ends in self actualization. But not every community. The the highest point is not self actualization. It's making sure your community is okay. Yep. So in South Asian and East Asian cultures, in particular, not the only ones, but in particular, these cultures are about the community. So marriages can be arranged. So the most important relationship is not necessarily husband and wife because the community decides that relationship. So the most important relationship you can have is with your community. Right. That's not necessarily a good thing. And, and there's a lot of things that can go wrong with that. Sure. You can be ostracized from your community because you have fertility problems and like they don't care why you can't have kids, but the fact that you can't have kids makes something wrong with you. So we're not going to talk to you anymore. 
that's also not good. No, that's terrible. You know what I mean? No, it's bad. It's so bad. that's also bad. So having a community and having friends and having a support system outside of just the romantic relationship that you've chosen to have is incredibly important. But it's what's more important than having those people is making sure those people are healthy. Yes. And supportive. Yes. And not toxic and making your life worse than it was without, without them correct they should challenge you but they shouldn't make you feel challenged <laughs> you know well <laughs> the way i like to put it is constructive you can challenge each other you can support each other but are you being constructive because there are ways to be not constructive in both of those if it's 100 yep. percent support with no challenge that's not constructive if it's 100 percent challenging with no support that's not constructive there has to be a balance so friendship is about being constructive, at least the way I see it. The, the healthiest relationships to me, the healthiest friendships to me are constructive. And however you get to constructive is how you get there. But to me, like that's what it means. Is, yeah. is it constructive? Are we adding value to each other's lives? Of course. Are you? It's not just about the other person. Like, what are they adding to my life? Well, what are you adding to their life? Is there like better with you in it? Oh, because I've had tons of friends that only ever want to contact me when they're in crisis. Right. Tons of friends that never really want to like spend time unless it benefits them in some way. Right. Fair weather friends who like can't deal with if I stress. Right. If I have something that I need to unload or talk about, they just can't deal. Sure. I can't deal with your stuff. No. Which is like. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. But like, I know it's a lot of stuff, but you know. One of my really good, good, good friends, she said this to me once. She was uh, she was dating a guy who is now her husband, actually. But when they first started dating, I mean, I know she knew he was great. Like, there's no denying that. But she was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, fucking crazy. Like, batshit, batshit, batshit. Uh, and she was just like, because certifiable. she was certified. She was going through her own shit to get there. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So we were out at a bar and, you know, I was just talking to her like I always talk to her because I think she's a fucking wonderful human and I love my friends. And, you know, I'm just telling her all the great things about her and that it's okay to accept a man being this fucking nice to you because, mm. quite frankly, you deserve someone being this nice to you. It, it gets to the point sometimes where men, and again, I'm generalizing, <laughs> but some men are not that thoughtful. They just aren't. And he was very sweet and he was very smart. I mean, he's not was, he's not dead, he still is. <laughs> That's a husband. Um, he's all the great things that a man should be. But there were instances in which she didn't understand that he couldn't go the extra mile, right? And so when I told her something I was gonna do for her, um, she started to cry. And I was like, what's the matter? She was like, oh my God, well, what if, what if I never find someone who loves me as much as you love me? Mm. Like, what if I'm never with someone who like, treats me as well as you treat me who knows me as well as you know me because the reality is best friends is an intimate relationship sex or no sex we love each other in a way we know each other in a way that a lot of people don't ever get to know someone else and while relationships may come and go some of your best friends are literally life and it's really interesting because one of the biggest heartbreaks I could ever, ever, ever fathom was when me and one of my best friends broke up. And I call it a breakup because yeah. it really hurt. Like it like broke my heart in a way I didn't even know my heart could be broken by someone that wasn't my significant other. And I still think about her all the time. And at this point I'm over all the ill resentment and I only wish her the best. And I've 100% social media stalked the fuck oh, out her. God. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm still broken. Currently? 
<laughs> I just want to know she's doing all right. Okay. Like, you know, and she is. She's thriving. She got everything she wanted. She wanted to be a mother. She wanted to be a wife. She loved photography. You know what I'm saying? She well, did you, the things. you know the stuff she, she's choosing to put on social media. Right, right. And I... And for what it's worth, what I'm seeing she's putting out there, it looks like she got the life she wanted. Okay. And all I can say is what she's putting out there is exactly what I hope for her, right? I hope she's that happy. Yeah. I hope what she's putting out there is, you know, that level of joy mm-hmm. that she's projecting into the social media sphere. Is that a word? It's not a word. It is, it is now. It is now. Social media sphere. Mm-hmm. Social media sphere. Mm-hmm. Did you like it? Social media sphere. Okay, cool. But I, I still have dreams about her like every now and then she'll pop into like my psyche i know and it's weird because i just i why did the friendship end oh oh god honestly now that i think about it if we were just too immature uh, that's a reason. Right? That's valid. Instead of using our words, instead of really communicating, instead of really figuring out what the fuck was going on between us, we just dug the hole deeper. Um, and I tried to reach out, and I don't think it was enough. Then it became worse and worse and worse. And I had a significant other at the time who was maybe too much hyping me up. Like, fuck this bitch. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Fuck this bitch. Instead of, like, actually being constructive. Right. But we were 22 years old, you yeah. know? And and so a friendship which I thought would have been a life friendship disintegrated. And, you know, I always taught her to stand up for herself and really, like, make sure that she was setting the boundaries and she was being really honest and truthful. And that turned against me because it was suddenly I was trying to take over her life and take her friends and you became the enemy yeah interesting and i was like that was a i thought we were besties no you're the enemy now right and in the letter she wrote me that really disintegrated our friendship was very much like you told me to stand up for myself and so i'm standing up for myself and i feel like you're trying to steal the one friend i've made on my own uh she was an introvert um i collect those yeah you do (laughs) you do we're here loud and proud Loud and proud from the back. Can you see us? Can you hear? We're here. Yes, I'm here to We're listen. Here. I'm here to support you. I love you. And it was like right after I told her my relative had cancer. Oh. So it was just like a really bad timing for her to be like, you're trying to steal my friend. I'm like, I don't fucking care. This is not important. This is the least important thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And so it just like, it was both of her immaturity. Just, I mean, we were one upping each other in the like that realm. But I still think about it a lot because it is a heartbreak that I never, ever, ever really understood could happen with someone that wasn't your significant other. Yeah. Someone you weren't sleeping with. Right. Yeah. Which is like really to say that we put way fucking too much emphasis on sex in our society when so much of our real beautiful relationships are with our friends. That's so interesting. Talk about implosion. I've mentioned a couple times that my friendships have imploded. It used to blindside me, and I think that I've had enough that have blindsided me that it's really shaped me, not into a no-new-friends kind of person. But it, <laughs> Whoopsies! It, it could have. It very, it could, it very, especially as an introvert, it could have very easily mm-hmm. made me into a no-new-friends kind of person. But instead, I made the decision to go the opposite route and say, I'm open to new friends, but when you want to leave, you leave. If, if and when you want to leave, okay. And that's 
different, you know, yeah. for me because I'm very much so. Uh, I'm very selective. Sure. And when you when you're selective, it's very easy to become possessive. <laughs> so, <laughs> crazy laugh in the background. You're never gonna leave yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear yeah. you. Yeah. See, I had to stop sure. that and be like, when someone wants to leave, or if someone, this is this is really important to me. So maybe this is number two on the list. The first was chemistry. Maybe the second one is the benefit of the doubt. A true friend to me is someone who, if they are confronted with something coming from me that is toxic or negative, their automatic thing is, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Let's have a conversation. I'm not going to assume that they're coming at me for, they're coming at me at all. Or yeah, they're yeah. coming it's not from, from malice. malice. Right. It's not it's right. I just don't quite understand what's happening sure. or they're going through something that I'm unaware of. Yes. And that's part of the reason one of my friendship I think I had for 3 years imploded. Now I knew from the beginning that this person was too sensitive for me. And what I, does too and, sensitive mean? So what that means is even though they appear to be doing the work because they, they did understand like what highly sensitive people were, they understood that they had child uh, CPTSD, child post-traumatic stress disorder. They told me about their relationship with their parents who are genuinely crazy people. Okay. They talk the talk, but when it came to actually walking the walk with their friendship, they were not in a place once they got into their head about something, they weren't in a place to hear reality. So they couldn't walk the walk. So what ends up happening is um, after three years, all of a sudden they thought I was talking to an ex of theirs mm. who was in, who's on the other side of the country, mm-hmm. who I only friended on Facebook because they asked, they, th- my friend asked me to friend their significant other on Facebook. So I said, okay, okay. Why? What? That's I don't. I don't know. That's bizarre. I. But I did it. But I did it. Mm -hmm. And then when they broke up, they asked me to unfriend this person from Facebook. This is a wild ride from start to finish. So I did it because that's what they asked. It's social media. Who cares? It's social media. Who cares? Um. And then a few weeks later, they said that their ex said that they messaged me, and I was like, I didn't get a message. So they said, okay. And a couple weeks after, they said, my ex said they messaged you. What's going on? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And at the time, I've forgotten that if you're not friends with someone on Facebook and they message you, it goes into a separate inbox. Right, and I'm not checking that inbox. And I'm not checking. I don't care. That's called the creepy inbox. (laughs) We don't check the creepy inbox. Because if we did, we'd be alarmed of all the messages we receive. From people who are not, we're not friends with. No, they're gross. They're men and they're disgusting. (laughs) They're all men, all of them. I mean, we are misandrists. Do you understand? (laughs) Have you seen these fucking messages? Some of of them are legitimate, but, but some of them are not. But the point was I'd forgotten. Mm-hmm. So instead of giving me the benefit of the doubt, saying this person, and I hosted them. They were driving up from somewhere. They stopped at my house. I was taking care of kittens at the time. They came to play with the kittens. Dude did music. We vibed. And then they drove out to the other side of the country. I only met this guy once. Don't even remember his name. So instead of giving me the benefit of the doubt of saying, well, I did ask her to unfriend them. And then if they messaged her about something I left at the apartment when I bounced and didn't tell them, they wouldn't get it. They wouldn't know they had it. They, it was the logic. They weren't doing the logical steps of saying, well, yeah, if they messaged my friend and we weren't friends on Facebook, it would go into a separate folder okay, that they're not stop. Checking. I'm going to cut you off. Go ahead. I don't answer any, any messages. Yeah. <laughs> like You answer my messages, but they're like, from me. Like they're from you, but also like sometimes two days later. Yeah, sometimes two days later. And I yeah. love you. Yeah. What the 
fuck is happening so, so in when you so when you were asking what do you mean sensitive this is what i'm saying i hear you this this this, this you. is the sensitive i hear you they said that they said that they messaged you and you're lying to me i think you're talking to them behind my also, back why was because, he messaging you because when she dipped out while he was at work she she moved and didn't tell him and i guess she left a box oh. of stuff behind so he messaged me like, hey, they left their things and sure. they blocked me. I can't get in contact with them. And I, of course, this is a month after he messaged me. So I don't know this. So we're on the phone. She's like, for the second time, are you talking to him? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they, you know, they messaged you on Facebook. Why aren't you telling me about it? So I went on Facebook with her on the phone and I'm like, oh, yeah. And this other folder of people who are I'm not friends with on Facebook. Yes, I do. I see now that I have a message and I read it to her and that wasn't enough. I still think you're talking to him. Bitch, you know I don't like anybody. And I don't talk to people. And I'm an introvert. And I don't have... I just... I'm not... What are you... So this is what I'm saying. It come. I already knew because I knew how sensitive she was and how she grew up. I knew she, that something was yeah. going to happen. She's projecting her worst fears on you. Right. And I wasn't prepared for it to be this. I was yeah. prepared for it to be something else. Sure. Like, I'm not empathetic enough. Or I, you know... Well, no, you're not. Playing trauma Olympics. Yeah. Like, that's you know what, what yeah, I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But, like, this was not the thing <laughs> <laughs> that I you're like, hold up. You think I want to fuck your ex? Yeah. Who is across the country and ugly? Right. Well, You're- okay. So that so he wasn't ugly. He's ugly. He's no, no. He's probably too short for you, but he wasn't ugly. <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm tall. You're tall. Okay. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not shallow. I'm tall. <laughs> these are two different yes, things. There. These are. Re- this is a reality. This is not a five-two girl who only dates six-foot guys. This nah. is a. You know. This yeah. is a in the high fives girl who's like. But are you okay with me being taller? Than Correct. Me? That's because what we're talking about. This is a high five. This is a five-eight girl who wears three-inch heels at all times. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you cool, I'm cool. But mostly, you're not cool. Next time on this is a. Uh, I got bit by a kid. And I realized I should have given you more context (laughs) from embezzlement to sexual harassment. And there's a point where I just get sick of you and I don't want to ever see you again. (laughs) And it's not you. It's me. It's me. When I made these plans with you, I was a younger, better person. (laughs) I was a better me. I was a better me. I'm almost positive you can't be friends with someone without Without a mental mental illness. I joke about my friends all having mental illness. But we all do. We all do. My cousin stays up for three days at a time, but I just think that's meth. After college, how do you meet friends? What else am I supposed to do with a line other than cross it? Yeah. I don't even think about it. It just happens naturally. (laughs) Not to fucking rape people. Not rape happens so naturally. It's amazing. (laughs) The only thing you're good for is fucking, so why would any man want to be your friend.